Hello, friends. How are you? You all have to be three times louder so that my experience up here is the same as the last few weeks. So if you could just practice that, that would be awesome. So hello, friends. How are you? Good. I'm assuming that if you clawed and bit your way into the service this morning and let the air out of people's tires so that they couldn't come so that you could get that last minute in, that you want to be here and that you're in full participation mode. So that's just an assumption. I do want to just say thanks for all the people who texted Friday afternoon to let me know that some announcements were coming and that you were praying for us. That, that is how I find out these things, so it's very gracious for me to know that there's prayer happening before we even have to think about it. And I do also just want to ask um, for your gracious prayers and patience because we it does take a while to respond to everything and figure out exactly what's going on. And so we're going to do our best to make this the best experience for the church that we can with what we can do, um, but it's going to take communication and thinking and praying through stuff. So thanks for bearing with us. We're going to be in James chapter 1 today. And so as you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to turn there. At home, I want to say an extra hello. You're definitely on our hearts as we pray and think through how to do this stuff. Um, You're not second-class citizens. Um, You are really important to us as we do this. And so I hope you're blessed. And if you want to have your Bible in front of you, you can do that. And if you're watching this after the fact then we hope you're blessed in the moment while you're watching this as well. But we're going to be in the book of James. The last time I was up here, I spoke out of 2 Corinthians talking about this phrase that the Apostle Paul used to describe his life and his ministry, where he says, sorrowful yet always rejoicing. Do you remember that? Anybody? Okay. One, two people. Thank you very much. At least four. And so I want to continue on this same theme of tapping at this my entire life, this journey together most of my life. This isn't a strength for me. And so we're on this journey together. And somebody said once, in order to be a teacher, all you really needed to do was know one thing that the other person didn't know in order to teach them. I don't know if that makes me an expert. I'm not an expert. I'm a learner with Christ. But I think many of us are learners with Christ in the joy in the Christian Joy Project. And so that's what I'm calling the message today, the Christian Joy Project. And because I want us to hunger and thirst for a a kind of joy that's different than just worldly joy. There's so much worldly joy accessible to us as Christians, just to the service and buy a cake. And any one of us can go to Sobeys after the service and buy a cake that only kings would have eaten maybe once or twice a year, 500 years ago. 2,000 years ago, you would have to be an emperor just to have a chariot kind of like my rusty Aveo that could like take you places. Anybody who drove here has something of value worth more than what kings could have had. There was a time in England, they say, where nobody had a hot shower or a hot bath for like a 1,000 years. And so as 21st century Christians, we have so much access to comfort, pleasure, joy, unlimited entertainment. There's more stuff on Netflix than you could watch for the rest of your life. 
before you go to hell. If you watch everything on Netflix, you probably will not end up in heaven. I'm sorry, hard fact. Fact check true, probably. If you just binge Netflix till you die, I don't know who's going to be waiting for you at whichever gate you end up at. Okay, too harsh, too harsh, sorry. But maybe, like, some of the stuff on there. I'm trying to pull something different here. And so we're going to spend some time with James, the Apostle James. I don't know if he's an apostle, but he is definitely a scripture writer. And I was joking with someone this week that if you got a time machine and you were sent back to the first century and you got to go and be with a scripture writer, you might get really excited to be like, oh, I'm going to spend time with Paul. That guy was amazing. Everywhere I went, he's doing miracles and he's sneaking into cities and sneaking out of cities. Or maybe it'd be awesome to be with Peter who walked with uh, Jesus and um, was on the Mount of Transfiguration and saw him after he was raised from the dead. Maybe it'd be awesome to be with John who was like the apostle of love. So he'd be super loving and maybe love me and there'd be lots of love, 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 love. But the last person anybody would want to end up with would be James. He's just so hard. Like, man, I'm going to get my shin so kicked in, I'm going to be bow-legged by the time he's done with me. But we're going to spend time with James, and we're going to study a scripture together. Here's part of that scripture. Count it all joy, my brothers, dot, 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 that's four dots, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Does this verse sound awesome? Anybody excited yet? Count it all joy, my brothers, that you might be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. This is a great verse. Who wouldn't want to be perfect and complete? Anybody? Anybody want to be perfect? Strong and smart, above the pains of life, invulnerable. You ever have these conversations like, if you could have a superpower, which superpower would you want to have? I love doing this conversation with youth groups. If you could have a superpower, which one would you want to have? And you find out people like the, the practical ones always say invulnerability. You know, the practically minded people are always just like, Superman's invulnerability, because then I can get hurt. And because I want to do the running one, I want to be the flash, because the, the idea of running really fast appeals to me. But physics, like if you were running at 500 miles per hour, just doing this would launch all of the fingers off of your hand. There'd be so much force in your fingertips, you would just tear your whole body apart. Unless you had invulnerability. You have to be indestructible. Anybody involved in sports? Don't you want to be perfect and complete? Don't you want your athletes to be perfect and complete, lacking nothing? Never making mistakes, never falling apart? Wouldn't that bring you joy? Count it all joy that you get to be perfect. And somebody? Isn't this awesome? This is a verse for me. Unfortunately, it's just the beginning and the end of a couple verses. And the stuff in the middle that actually gets you joy and gets you being perfect and complete is the stuff that's not super exciting. Here's the real text. So I was a heretic for a second there doing a little prosperity gospel action there, a little out of context, a little scripture twisting. Come on, baby! That's not good. You don't want that. You want the whole verses. You want some context. That's how you're meant to read the Word of God. It's very easy to 
You don't want to wrestle with God's word. You want God's word to wrestle with you. You don't want to win when it comes to wrestling with God's word. You want God to win when it comes to wrestling with you. When you come to God's word, you don't want to have success. You want to be defeated. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Okay, that's the whole, the whole schlamazel. That's the entire matzah ball. That's the whole hog. There's so much in there to love. Who wants joy? Put up your hand. Come on, chosen select 75. Do it at home too. Who wants to be perfect and complete, lacking nothing? Come on, put up your hand if you want to get there. Uh Uh-oh, you just put the spiritual bullseye on your head. Who wants trials that require steadfastness? Come on. (laughs) You got it. The answer is Jesus. I know you went to Sunday school when you were a kid. Okay, nobody. Nobody wants these restrictions. Well, I'm sure some people do. And we can argue about that later. I'm specifically going to try to not talk about this stuff too much. This is Jesus time. I've got, like, thanks to modern culture, I've got about 22 and a half minutes of attention. Anybody who grew up on television, I've got 22 minutes, and then I've got about another 15 minutes of you wondering when this is going to end. That's all I have, and I don't want to waste it on the other stuff. It's Jesus time. And you are allowed to have Jesus time. You're allowed to put things down. You're allowed to stop worrying about stuff. You're allowed to stop fussing about stuff. You're allowed to just say, this is Jesus time. And we're going to do that. Various trials. Do you want joy? Yes. Hello, various trials. Do you want to be perfect in God's sight? Not like... Flawless, but complete, mature, whole, able to face the callings you're called to face, able to do the jobs you're called to do, able to be looking like Jesus. You need steadfastness. Now, this is, this is the thing that I know about myself. Maybe you're completely different. I don't, I don't like trials. And we can joke about not loving James, but the fact is is that James, the whole New Testament sings in unity about the necessity of going through hard times as a Christian and the goodness of it as well. So let me point out some scriptures from some other places in the Bible. Okay, actually, before I do that, I'm going to have an illustration, and I need my kids, okay? Yeah, you guys come here. Leave your masks on. Come on, children. They were supposed to get me some stuff to do the uh, visual aid challenge, but they forgot. So, Ellie, can you stand there? Josh, can you stand there? Timmy, you can wander. Gloria, can you come stand here? Micah, can you come stand here? Timmy's going to stand here. 
or wherever he wants to. This is heaven for Timmy. I need to go on this stage and mommy can't stop me. Come on, dude. Why don't you stand with somebody? Now let's just imagine that the world is inverted than the way it really is and these children are trials. Which they aren't. They are huge blessings. But as a father of five, is it possible to get away from this? Right? If I go here, I'm just like, oh, I just don't want to be around the kids. And I'm just like, oh, here's Josh. He's hungry. Again. Because he's in that mode where he's always growing. Oh, okay, so I don't want to deal with this, so I'll just turn around and, oh, here's Micah. He's climbed up something again. And we're wondering if we can get him down. Or he's kicked the ball into me again. Or whatever. And I was oh, what a trial. So I'm going to turn away from Mike and I'll turn to Ellie. Oh, Ellie's just got her learner's permit. And she wants to go practice near-death experiences again. Oh, I can't. I'm just going to turn away from this. And we're like, here's Gloria. And she's, she's cleaned up something again. And made me feel like an incompetent parent. Because she keeps her room cleaner than everything else I own is clean. Ah, oh, trial. And here's Timmy. And he wants to play soccer again. Right? Yes, exactly. (laughs) Trials, trials. And everywhere I turn, there's trials. The only way forward is to just love the kids. Because I'm surrounded. Amen? And the only way forward is to love the fact that the Bible tells us that we have to do hard things. Because every single page has to do with that. And the only way to do the Christian life is to love the trials that God is sending our way because they're meant to be a blessing to us. Amen? Good job, kids. You can go down. You can officially request for this part of the sermon to be removed from the video if you want to, but you guys were helpful. Can I get a little clap for these guys here? Oh, the trial of your dad being a preacher. So this call to rejoice in trials is in many places in Scripture. Let's go to the next spot. Let's see what I got here. This is Romans 5, 1 to 5. Thank you, Corinne. I think you read this for us already. So you know that this message is for you. Bless your heart. And for all of us. And and let me just tell you, we're in the book of Romans. Paul has spent three chapters trying to explain to us how hopeless this life is without Christ. Whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, you are stuck in your sin. You're going to be condemned, and you cannot save yourself. What you need is a Savior. And praise be to God, He has sent the Lord Jesus Christ to die for our sin and be raised from the grave and to be given to us as Savior and righteousness by faith and faith alone, so that if you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised Him from the dead by a free gift, you get to be saved. Four chapters. Things are worse than you know when it comes to our sin before God. And things are better than we can imagine when it comes to the free grace in Jesus Christ. And so how do we respond? Romans 5. This is the beginning of teaching Christians how to respond to all the kindness God has done to us through Jesus. And it says this. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, not by works, we've been given this free gift of being right with God just by believing in him. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And through him we've also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. There's the J word snugged in behind an R. 
And not only that, and this is where Paul deep sixes us and sends the torpedo into our pleasure cruise, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. To which all the Canadian Christians say, no, 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 wait at least until chapter 13 to talk about this. Why would you have to front load rejoicing in the suffering to being one of the first things we're supposed to do with the gospel? We rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Doesn't this sound like James? Rejoice because you're going to end up full of character and hope. Rejoice because through steadfastness you're going to end up perfect and complete. Well, these apostles are just echoing this need that's in G- that Jesus taught about. They're not making this stuff up. They're just serving the risen Jesus. They're just his messengers. The apostles are just the Amazon Prime guys. Delivering the word of the completely authoritative Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the true prophet who speaks God's word and delivers it to the world. And when Jesus was talking about the need to endure suffering and the need to go through hard things, he talked like this. You might remember the parable of the different kinds of soils that a sower went out to sow and he cast the seed, which was the word of God, on all different kinds of soil. And some of the, most of the seed didn't grow up all the way, but some of it did. And the, his friends were looking for an interpretation of this. This is from Luke chapter 8, starting verse 9. Jesus said, when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, Jews have been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now this, now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God, which you're hearing this morning. The ones along the path are those who have heard, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rocks are those who, when they have heard the word, receive it with joy. It's not Christian joy. But, when they, but these have no root. And they believe for a while, but in a time of testing, they fall away. And as for those who fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of, Christ, of Canada, sorry, of life, and their fruit does not mature. And as for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. And I see the same kind of progression. James calls it being uh, perfect and complete. Paul calls, calls it having character and hope. And Jesus calls it bearing fruit with a good heart. But the only way to get to all of these places is through winning the rejoicing in trials challenge. So true fact, this isn't a pet theology, this isn't, this is like core Christianity, this is pick up your cross and follow me, this is how we get 
through our life and this is how we get to the end of our life and this is how we get a reward for our life. This is why when Paul starts talking about how to respond to the gospel, he starts by talking about rejoicing in our suffering. This is why when James starts his letter to his friends, he starts off with, you're going to have to figure out how to rejoice in your trials because the rest of my letter cannot do you any good unless you figure this part out first. Now this, I want to talk about how my faith to enjoy God and to rejoice in Christ and to rejoice in my trials has been growing over the last little season here. Because naturally, nobody likes trials. That's why we call them trials. And nobody likes suffering. That's why we call it suffering. Nobody likes being sick. Because that's why we call it sick. It means your body's not working. That's why we call it this. If COVID gave you superpowers, amen, we wouldn't be worried about it. I caught this cold and my hair filled out at the front where it's been going bald and I lost 10 pounds around the whole nutrition storage area or whatever you want to call it. It's like it does bad things. That's why we don't like it. And so naturally, we will never accept the hardships that God sends to us for our good unless we can learn to think about it the way God wants us to think about it. And that's why the next thing James says right after saying this call to rejoice in our sufferings, he says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. And I hear that, and my faith rises to this. I hate trials, but God can change my mind. Amen? I don't like this suffering, but the Word of God says that He can change my mind. Amen? I don't like what's happening, but that's not the end of the story because James tells me I can ask God to change my mind and he will do it. He has sovereign power to get into my brain and rewire things so that my mind and my heart and my soul are in step with what he's doing. God knows how to bridge the gap between here's a trial to I'm rejoicing in this trial because I'm being perfected through this trial. He knows what you need to hear. He knows what I need to hear. He knows how our souls work. He knows your past. He knows your present. He knows your future. He knows how to fix things inside the cranium and behind the rib cage so that James 1, 2 through 4 sounds like a great deal. Because you've been transformed from the inside out with the wisdom of God. Amen? And I want to tell you this morning, we need to have huge faith for what God can do inside of us. Because the reality is, is that if you're a Christian, God has already miraculously transformed you in a way to believe. I'm going to do it. I'm going to Romans 8. You can't stop me. You want to stop me. You don't want to stop me. In 
In Romans 8, Paul talks about this mind that doesn't know God. He calls it the mind set on the flesh. In Romans 8, 7, he says, The mind set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. And this is the point I want to make from this, and I could go to many other places. Before you believed in Jesus... You are not like a neutral character. You are not just kind of going through the world, a good guy or a good gal. The Bible says your soul was actually hostile to God. You couldn't please him if you tried because you didn't want to. But if you believe in Jesus, you have been born again by the Spirit. You've been remade and recreated by the Spirit. You've been caused to be able to see Jesus in a way you couldn't see him before and know God in a way you couldn't know him before and think thoughts that please God the way you couldn't do it before. You've already been radically changed. You already are the miracle. If you believe in Jesus, you already are the biggest miracle that's going to happen to you. Calling Lazarus out of a tomb is not hard compared to giving someone a new spiritual birth so that they go from the flesh and hating God to Jesus is the greatest thing ever. That's the hard part. And you, it's, has it already happened to you? Okay, let's put things in perspective. God helping you love your trials is easy compared to the big work of God making you love Jesus. So we should have great faith, no matter what we're facing. Faith, facing. You, <laughs> that's the best part of the message right there. No matter what I'm facing, I can have faith. Somebody's going to go to work this week, and you're going to start thinking about that. Right when you need to. So this is my great hope. I don't actually need to love trials when they show up. I just need to know that God can make me love trials if I ask. Amen? And then you can stop being stressed out about the future. No matter what happens, God has the power to change our minds to be okay with what's going on. And to love Jesus in what's going on. And to help us to worship him in what's going on. We don't have have to worry about the future here because we've got this promise that no matter what happens, if I go, I don't understand what's going on. God said, I will give you the understanding you need to in order to enjoy what I'm doing. You just have to ask with faith. Amen? Okay, I've lost my notes here, I think. So let's talk about this wisdom. 
Let's, let's talk about some of the wisdom that God is going to work in us as we say, I want Christian joy. I want that kind of joy where I can rejoice in my trial. I want that kind of joy that rejoices in its suffering. I want that kind of joy that eats suffering for breakfast. I want that kind of joy that is grateful when bad news is coming down the pipeline because I know that it involves good news coming down the pipeline. I want that kind of joy. Do you want that kind of joy? Anybody want that kind of joy? Anybody need to get a sold? Because you're the 75 who are here. Okay? You said yes when you walked through the door. Number one wisdom that I think is God's working in me, I don't know if he's talking about, to you about it, is learning to value godliness. Okay, if you look at this scripture here, I'll find it, affect you to look like Jesus. This is God's plan for you. First, First Thessalonians This is God's will for your life, your sanctification. This is what God wants to do in your life. He wants to make you holier. He wants to make you godlier. He wants to make you look just like his son Jesus. And this is what I think is going on in the mind of God. When God the Father looks at everything, his favorite thing ever is Jesus. Amen? He looks at his son and he says, compared to everything I've ever made, that's nothing compared to Jesus. I love Jesus. Do you want to know what God the Father is like? He loves Jesus. In fact, theologians will tell you his love for Jesus is so huge and pure and perfect and expansive that it grew, if you can even put it that, into another God. That's not the way you're supposed to describe it, named God the Holy Spirit. And I totally butchered and heresized that. We're going to have to delete that one. But God loves his son. And so when he thinks about how to love his children, the best thing he can think to do for them is to give them his son And make them like his son. I don't think God the Father can think of anything better to do in your life than to give you Jesus and make you like Jesus. That's his highest priority. And in fact, Romans 8, after what I read, goes on to say that he's predestined you. To be conformed to the likeness of his son. I will now tell you your future. You're going to end up like Jesus. And this is non-negotiable. This isn't a gifting thing. This isn't some people are going to get it and other people aren't. You're going to end up looking just like Jesus. Because that's the father's idea of the best thing he could ever do for you. And me too. Now, if you know that your trials are, wherever they come from in the flesh, are ultimately from your Heavenly Father trying to perfect Christ-likeness in you, does that change things? Whatever your trial is, it is from your Heavenly Father trying to form Christ and reveal Christ in you and through you and out of you, does that change things? Like all of them? 
It does for me. But if I go into a trial just thinking my highest value is just feeling comfortable today and like I've had a good day, then of course trials feel like not the plan. But if I wake up into God's world where I know that the plan is to be made like Jesus, that, that's the wisdom of God. think that trials do us so much good and part of the wisdom we get from it is that we learn to love what's most lovable from God don't hard times make the fact that God is for you no matter what through faith in Jesus precious to you don't hard times make the fact that God will never stop loving you more precious to you that's part of what he's working on his love for us is this big. How much we know about his love for us is this big. Trials push the boundaries out and push the boundaries out and push the boundaries out and push the boundaries out. He wants us to be a people who live off of his justification by faith in the world. So that even if <laughs> the reputation of southern Manitoba is bad just like, yeah, but I'm living off of my reputation with God. I'm living off of my righteousness with God. I'm, I'm living off my justification from God. I'm living off my love from God. And we try to live off of this stuff. Hard times do this. They make the love of God precious to us. Hard times help us to not like the world. Amen? Anyone disillusioned with the world? Good. 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 It's not our friend. It's not our friend. It's not our friend. The unbelieving world isn't our friend. It doesn't love us. doesn't like us. doesn't want what's good for us. We're called to love it. We're called to serve it. We're called to reach out to it. But the world's going to fail us. And finally, I think that hard times and trouble increases our joy because it teaches us that it's okay to be strong in the midst of weakness. So this is some of the thinking I've been doing. I'm really sorry for butchering that Trinitarian analogy. That was so bad that John Calvin is going to walk out of his grave wherever he's buried and hunt me down like the dog I am. Maybe Jonathan Edwards. But I'll fix that at some time. Anybody here ever feel stress or anxiety? Put up your hand if it's true. Okay. It is very easy to feel like stress and anxiety are like big crashing waves that are going to drown you. Isn't that what it feels like? The water level's going up. You're getting tired of swimming. And if a wave crashes over you, it's going to drown you. That can, can be what it feels like, right? In my head, I know now that when the waves start crashing, Jesus is surfing towards me. Every time. When the waves start coming, it's bringing me Jesus. 
That's what I know. I know that. Trials bring me steadfastness. Trials bring me perfection, not because I'm apart from God, but because they bring me Jesus. So if anxiety comes, I start going, oh, thank goodness. Jesus is coming. If I feel wake up stressed, oh, thank goodness. This is how God's letting me know that I have a fresh supply of Christ coming my way. He is riding the waves to me. There is a new experience of Jesus coming. There is a better experience of Jesus coming. There is more revelation of Jesus coming. There is better trust in Jesus coming. There is more love from Jesus coming. There is power from God on my way. How do I know? I'm stressed. Amen? It's a trial. So I know there's good stuff coming. Another picture. This is of problems. Would anybody like an angry bull in their house? <laughs> Sorry, too close to home for some of us. <laughs> I have been that bull sometimes. No, of course you don't want problems. Of course you don't want calamities. Of course you don't want things destroyed. But I know that whenever it seems like there is a raging bull going on, that Jesus is riding it towards me. That Jesus is tied into that thing. And it is not getting away from Jesus. And Jesus is going to ride that thing into my life. Troubles bring me Jesus. Problems bring me Jesus. Kidney stones bring me Jesus. Waking up with a headache brings me Jesus. Bad emails bring me Jesus. Government restrictions bring me Jesus. Every time it brings me Jesus. This is a Jesus-controlled, Jesus-saturated world. He rose from the dead so that nothing could stop him. And every single thing in this life is meant to bring us Jesus if we believe him for it. It's bringing me Jesus. And I am a, becoming a firm believer in the weaker we feel, the more excited we should get because we worship a God who says his power is perfected in weakness. We don't want perfect power. We want to feel strong. Stop it. When you feel weak, get excited. Whenever I feel weak, this is what goes on in my head. I just go in my soul and I press the buy now button in heaven's Amazon store. Do you know what I mean? Anybody got Amazon Prime? You got that one-click thing going on? I got one-click set up. Whenever I'm feeling problems in my soul, I know that God has put perfected power into my cart. And I just need to put the purchase now. I need to click by faith the purchase now thing, and then I just wait for it to show up. That's my God. That's our life. Non-stop weakness and never-ending power. Can we live like that? Can we live like that? That's our hope. Look at these problems. I've been on cloud nine since Friday afternoon. Because I know there's so much good coming our way. I don't know what it is, and I don't know what it'll get here before. I know Jesus. There's so much good coming our way, guys, with another trial and more conflict. Hooray, 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 hooray. For, there's power on the way. There's so much power. Don't you get tired of being powerless? Yeah, anybody? Just get weak. It's so weak. Get pathetic. Get, get loserish. Be losers. Be losers. Be weak. Be pathetic. And click the send now button with Jesus. There's so much power. There's so much power available to us if we won't care. If we stop caring. Hooray for 75. Hooray for being at home. Do you know you can have the best message of your life if you believe that the power depends on Jesus and not on being here? Hooray! 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 It just hurts along the way. 
look at that guy. Do you know, I found this picture, and he actually has like a cross on his pants. I have no idea who he is. He doesn't look like he's enjoying himself. But he's doing something amazing. He just needs to hold on. There's a picture of steadfastness for you. Can you just hold on for eight seconds? Amen? So we should worship. I've gone on too long. But I, I, I'm doing this, church. I am doing a mind change. I'm doing hooray for troubles. I'm doing the power is on its way in the midst of feeling weak. I'm doing Jesus is coming. I'm doing, no one can stop him. The only thing that can stop him is my unbelief. That's what James says. Don't be double-minded when you ask. You're not going to get anything because the biggest problem is unbelief. God doesn't reward unbelief. We need to believe in him and then it's all ours. It's all ours. The kingdom, this world, angels, it's all ours as we persevere in our believing. Would anyone like that? Is this appealing to anybody? Okay, why don't we stand if this is appealing to you? Put on your mask and love it. Say, this makes me feel weak. That means there's power on the way. And let's pour our hearts to God. We're going to pray. You know what? Don't be followers right now. Go get Jesus. Get Jesus right now. Get him right now. This is just how I'm going to lead every prayer meeting from now on. Why are you waiting for me to pray? But I'm going to pray. Father God, you're 2,000 years past being able to be stopped. And the price for the Son of God was that he just needed to be tortured and murdered in order to inherit the world. And he proved that the weakness of God is stronger than the strength of men. And Jesus, I want to say, I believe. I believe you, Jesus. I believe you. I believe you chose to keep your wounds. You chose to keep your scars. You chose it. They're your glory. And I want to say, I believe. Thank you for my anxiety. Thank you for my fears. Thank you for my weakness. Thank you for my confusions. Thank you when I don't understand. Send me the power. Send us the power. Send us the power. I don't get it. Send us the power. I'm not in control. Send us the power. Send it, Lord Jesus. Lord, heal people right now. Heal people. Heal people. Heal people. Do it. I don't even want to touch anybody. You do it, Lord Jesus. I don't want any credit. You do it, Lord Jesus. Change minds. Set people free. Glorify the name of Jesus. I will be weak for you, Jesus. I'll be pathetic for you, Jesus. I will be nothing for you, Jesus. Let the power come. Let it come to nobodies. Let it come to the weak. Let it come to the scourged, Lord Jesus. Let it come to the afflicted. Power from God. And maybe we just have bubbling hope as we know that you're up to great things in the midst of terrible things. And all God's people said,